I think that I am officially now allowed to say Merry Christmas, right? Because Thanksgiving is now in the rearview mirror. And uh, even, even my most, um, most intense Thanksgiving aficionados are okay now with us saying Merry Christmas, right? How many of you get like a physiological response when somebody talks about Christmas before Thanksgiving? Anybody? I was going to say, I know there's some out there. How many of you, the Christmas season starts the day after Halloween? Well, regardless whether it's day one or whether it's halfway through the Christmas season, uh, we got time to make sure that we get Christmas right this year. Now, um, with Thanksgiving coming so late, it condenses the Christmas season. And, and already, right, traffic's a mess because of the road situation, because of construction already. Um, there are going to be um, promotions at retail stores all over the place to try to compete with, with uh, Amazon. Political ads are amping up. Uh, we're in the middle of an impeachment war. Uh, so this is going to be a stressful season, and my intro isn't helping any. So, so we're preparing our hearts for the stressful season of Christmas, which seems like it's going to be even a little more amped up. But we got time. We got time to, uh, to get it right this year. And so um, here's, here's what I'd like to do is, is I would like to, um, to start the season off by taking a look at, at Mary's response uh, to the angel's announcement of, of the birth of Jesus. So an angel, uh, her response is called the Magnificat, which especially for, for, for my Catholic friends here, which is about 70% of, of any given Polaris crowd, you should appreciate uh, the, today's stuff as we talk through uh, Mary's response. It's the first time where, where it says that she would be called the mother of God. Uh, so there's, there's so many things in her response so much wisdom and insight in her response that we can use to, to bring out the best of this Christmas season. And, and it's important that we do because, like, I'm not a counselor. I'm not any good at counseling. I know just enough to be dangerous. That's why I refer. But I do know that those in the biz say that this is one of those seasons uh, that magnifies the highs and the lows. During the Christmas season... The highs are higher and the lows are lower based on your past, your childhood, um, losses that you've had, experiences that, that you'd love to have and have or that wish you had and don't. It's all kind of magnified, right? It's like Disney World, the happiest place on earth, while at the same time, the most dramatic parent-child meltdowns you'll ever see anywhere, right? You have not seen a meltdown until you've, you've been, you know, 98 degrees there on Main Street and, and watched a mom flip on her kids. <clears throat> oh, anyway, that's Christmas. So, um, at the center of this Christmas story, we find uh, the nativity, the story of Jesus' birth. And in uh, Mary, um, Mary gives this incredible response. So if you'd like to follow along, and I'd love for you to follow along, uh, you can take out a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 1, or you can fire up a smartphone and, and, and find Luke chapter 1. We're going to spend our time there today. 
<clears throat> I would also love for you to maybe take an index card. You might find one in the pew in front of you or on the back there by the uh, gluten-free communion wafers. Um, and, and write down one or two thoughts. We're going to look at seven different um, maybe practices that you could get <clears throat> for this Christmas season from uh, the Magnificat. But I would love for you to may, maybe only write down one or two. Don't leave with a whole bunch of things that you're not going to do. Like, like pick one or two things and let this is what I'm going to be good at over these next four weeks, okay? So, um, so this angel <clears throat> comes to Mary and tells her that she's going to give birth to God's son. And she responds with this amazing affirmation, I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. Now, this is a teenage girl. Um, her life has just been flipped upside down by this angel. And she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. Now Mary runs off to share the moment with her pregnant cousin, Elizabeth. Elizabeth is carrying the child in her womb who would become John the Baptist. So Mary and Elizabeth are cousins. They're pregnant at the same time. Mary has Jesus in the womb and Elizabeth has John the Baptist. Mary enters the room, Jesus in tow, Jesus in the oven, and Luke 1 says this, this is 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, John the Baptist in her womb, the baby leaped in her womb. So the first human being to respond to Jesus was an unborn baby. Now, certainly life is complicated and it brings with it many very complicated medical dilemmas and situations, but it's important to realize that the Bible at least acknowledges the value of life from the womb to the tomb. Now, Mary and Elizabeth have an incredible moment together, and Mary is overwhelmed with joy and emotion, and she cries out uh, this prayer. And it's known among, like I said, known among theologians as the Magnificat. And Mary said, this is verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his offering forever, offspring forever. And Mary remained with her for about three months and then returned home. So I'm going to walk through this um, Magnificat and explore a few of Mary's insights um, into God's plan for the world and come up with a few things that we can do during this Christmas season to identify with her Christmas joy. And I think that if we'll put some of these into practice, 
Uh, Some of you might even have the best Christmas ever just by committing to living out a few of these principles and practices. So here we go. Insight number one. Insight number one. God is for us. Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She recognizes God as a Savior. She understands what God is doing. Rather than turning away from us and our sinfulness and our rebellion in wrath, instead, he's taking on flesh, he's becoming one of us so we can relate with him. Ultimately then, to pay our death penalty for us on the cross, like when you think about it, there is nothing that God could have done more to say, I am for you, than to come and save us. Rather than turn away, rather than go do something else, rather than respond in wrath, he comes to us and he saves us. He's our savior, he's a savior God. God is for us. And Mary knew that, and she celebrated that. So here's practice number one. Make your Christmas better this year. Practice number one. Practice forness. Being for people this Christmas season. And Christmas is a stressful season. It can be hard to be for people. But let's just say you're at line, you're in line at Macy's, and you're waiting there with a slow cashier who can't operate the cash register, who's not making eye contact, who obviously doesn't want to be there. But you're going to be for him or her. You're going to respond with kindness. You're going to be as loving and caring as you can, as gracious as you can. You're going to be for that person even when they don't deserve it. Somebody's going to take your parking spot Somebody's going to take a good parking spot that you were sitting there. They're going to swing right in front of you before them by simply driving on to the next parking spot. All around us, there are all kinds of, whether it's slow in traffic, whatever, there are all kinds of opportunities that we're going to have to be for people this Christmas season. Take the time to practice for, don't let the stress and anger Steal your joy this Christmas season. And guess what? You're going to have to be intentional about it. Because we're really good, at least I am, of taking out my Christmas yuletide wrath and stress on someone who does those things, especially if they're just in another car and they can't even hear me. Number two. Include the lowly. Mary says he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Later she says he has filled the he has looked on the humble estate of his servant and filled the hungry with good things. The idea here is that the underdog is being blessed through what Christmas is all about. She understands that God is the God of the least of these. He's going to come and do something about the state of the world. He's going to come and save the world. And he's going to do so in the context of the lowly, of the forgotten, of the oppressed. God is the God of the underdog. Clear message all through Scripture. So here's here's something that we can practice. Find ways to include the underdog or the least of these. 
Maybe you're friends with a struggling single mom or single dad. Forego the trip to Longhorn and invite them to drop the kid off at your house, their kids off at your house to babysit while they go Christmas shop. Give them a Starbucks card and the visa for the money that would have gone for your family gathering out at Longhorn. Give them some extra money to go and have a night to enjoy themselves and to do some Christmas shopping. Include someone that's struggling and help them enjoy the season. Maybe there's someone in your neighborhood that can't get out or someone in your life that can't get out. Go, go spend the evening with them or, or go take them shopping or go take them to coffee or some, include them. Maybe there's someone at work that's new. Invite them out for coffee. Maybe there's, you got that socially awkward guy on your floor. Include them to the work lunch gathering. Find way. Now listen, if you follow Jesus, we have to do this anyway. Because Jesus includes the underdog. He includes the least of these. And so that's got to be a part of our life anyway. Let's might as well start the practice or amp up. But it, it will help you experience joy at Christmas and them. If we, like Mary, understand that God is the God of the underdog and we do things to include them. So maybe one of the things to write down, you, you, you know the name, you, got the, you, got, you know who it is, I'm going to invite them out for coffee or I'm going to you know, give them a gift card so that they can, what, whatever it is, include the underdog. Number three, list things that God has done. Mary says, he who is mighty has done great things for me. Mary lives with this awareness of the things God has done. Now, uh, very specific. Turn off HGTV for an evening or ESPN, or Hallmark, if you're so inclined. All those movies end the same anyway. Or the news. And take a real half an hour and list the things that God has done for you. List the things that God has given you. Create the list, add to it, Express your gratefulness to God as you walk down through that list. Keep the positive before you. Keep the things that God has done in your life this past year. Sit with your family. Talk with your kids. Let's list the good things that God has given us this past year. It helps fight against the stress and the negativity that is everywhere right now. Here's another practice you might consider in December. Ditch the comment section. Ditch the comment section, and by that I mean if you're on Facebook or if you, you, know, you, you see the news articles with uh, half of them are fake anyway, um, with the comment sections down below, that's where the good stuff is. Like I'll be the first to confess, man. I, I was reading up on the Jim Harbaugh comments all, all yesterday evening, just enjoying. But that wasn't a good thing for me, for my soul. For the, I mean, you know, that just... The comment section has become like a post-apocalyptic fungal stew of human awfulness. <laughs> of all the things going on in the world right now, Satan, I think, is most excited about the development of the comment section on Facebook. Ditch it. Communicate with face-to-face, with text, with a letter, with you know, some uh, direct message even. Ditch the comment sections for the season because there's nothing good coming out of it. 
Focus on the things that God has done, like Mary who understood that God had given her good things. That's an important practice this Christmas season. Um, cling to the things that God has done and express gratefulness. Uh, number four, show mercy. Uh, Mary says, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She recognizes that from generation to generation, God shows mercy. God, the message of Christmas is a message of mercy where God invades the sinful, lost, broken people like me and shows his mercy, pays the price for, comes to save those who are in the wrong. So during this Christmas season, practice mercy. Practice mercy. Is there someone who's wronged you that you just, like, like just think about those stupid little things. And maybe we don't talk to them, we don't whatever, we give somebody the cold shoulder, because I'm not talking about like, you know, stuff that you got to work through with counseling. I'm talking about the stupid stuff that people say and do that, we, that just it doesn't even really need a follow-up conversation. You just get over it, right? I mean, I, I, I'm a whiner. I, I, I get all huffy-puffy. <laughs> just, just get over it. And, and maybe there'll be some times this Christmas season when you can say, you know what, I'm just going to have a pleasant conversation. I'm going to be merciful. Yeah, they said that thing. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to show mercy because God. Now, now there might be some, some deeper stuff. Like, there, like maybe we got to have some deeper conversations and there's stuff that we really need to work on reconciling. And you're going to, you're going to take one of those instances and you're going to go for it this Christmas season because this is a season of mercy. And maybe your thing is, you know, especially if you're not a merciful person, and, and you, you, you probably know whether you are or not, if not, ask some people around you. But if you're not a merciful person, you, you got to get there if you follow Jesus. So use this season to become or take steps toward becoming a merciful person. All right, uh, number five. Mary says, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud, the thoughts of their hearts, and he has brought down the mighty uh, from thrones and exalted those of humble estate. She's basically saying God is just. God is a God of justice. So practice and focus on justice this Christmas season. Here's a suggestion. This may be awkward. <clears throat> Set aside the politics. Set aside the politics. Take some time this next season to read about, to study, to research, to learn about the plight of an oppressed people group. Study refugees, immigrants, the plight of the immigrants. Study uh, the, the life of the urban African American here in our country. Study uh, the plight of the Native American. Actually engage with the real plight and story of someone who is seen as oppressed. Because here's the thing, this whole, <clears throat> at the heart of the Christmas story, Mary and Joseph have to take Jesus and run. They are refugees. At the heart of the Christmas story is the refugee. Now, I'm, let, me, let me be really honest. I don't know what to do with our current immigrant situation. I, I have no idea, open borders, closed borders. I don't know how... I'm not near smart enough to sort through that, but I know this. There was a point when Mary and Joseph were on the run with the Savior of the world. 
And I would want to be a part of a nation that somehow gave them refuge. Now, I don't know how that's relevant. I don't know what to do about that, but I know it's important. And I want to at least be informed. I want to have an informed opinion, informed by my own uh, understanding of the plight of the oppressed versus just something that I got from some news station. So maybe take some time to study justice. And certainly if there's a way to bring justice this Christmas season, maybe, maybe this is a moment when you're, you know what, I'm going to be I'm going to be on the side. Let me tell you something. On your last day, if, you, if you're a student of Scripture, on your last day, you want to be an instrument of justice, not an enabler of injustice or oppression as you stand before God. Because justice is very important to the heart of God. Number six is an easy one. He has filled the hungry with good things. Feed the hungry. Help the under-resourced this Christmas season. There are causes everywhere. Obviously, one of our big causes, um, Love Pure, uh, Christmas Eve offering. Pray about that. Um, um, Sandy and the Street Ministry, I know you're taking donations right now. Anything that we can do to help those in need. There are all kinds of causes at Polaris to do that. You have causes all around you to do that. Take some time this Christmas season. All we ever say at Polaris is that you need to pray. And this is the Love Pure offering as well. Just pray about what God wants you to be generous toward. You may be at a place where God's like, you know what, this is the cause I want, and it's not this cause. Just be generous there then. Maybe you're at a place where God's like, you know what, you, you need every dime right now for your own needs. This is a season for you to receive from God's kingdom. And then someday he'll have you at a place where you can give. Then, then receive joyfully. Maybe God's going to say, hey, I want you to go big toward this cause then do so in faith joyfully. But giving to those in need is a huge part of, of what God has done through Christmas and a huge part of what Christmas is all about. And so maybe there's a cause that you need to consider. All right, one more. Uh, number seven, lastly. Mary closes her prayer by rejoicing that God was always faithful to his promises to the promises he made to people in Scripture long ago, to Abraham. God promised Abraham he would send a Savior to save his people. And Mary believed that she was a recipient of that promise. During this season, contemplate the goodness of God and his plan to save you through Jesus. Now, Peter once looked to a crowd of people who said, how do we receive this promise of Jesus? And in Acts 2.38, he says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. This is a season of promise. The promise is for you and for your children and for all. Now, this would be the best Christmas you've ever had if you've never done that if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never sealed the promise with baptism, remember we said that, that before pen and paper, ritual was how people sealed the deal. When they couldn't sign for something, there was a ritual, and baptism became the ritual to seal the deal of saying yes to Jesus. So is that something that you need to do this Christmas season? Just say the word, and, and we'll help you out. So band, you guys can come on up. Um... 
before we close our last song, let me just say, like, isn't this stuff amazing from, from Mary and the man? Like, like it's what good news. The God who is for us, the God who is forgiving, the God who is merciful, the God who is just, the God who is kind, the God who helps the underdog, gives us good things. What good news. Christians should be in the best mood of any. We should be the best celebrators of Christmas out there because it's all good news. It's a stressful season, I know that, and I feel that. It's a season with a lot of busyness and sometimes a lot of emotional pain. But at the center of it all is an incredible story of God's love. So let's find ways for that good news to pour out of us to help those around us experience the joy that Mary felt that first Christmas. And it all starts with a grateful heart that gives thanks to God. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful, as was Mary, for your goodness and love and kindness and justice and mercy and all the good things that you showed us when you sent your son. And I pray that you would speak to us with a few things that we should be practicing during this Christmas season. You know exactly what would help us most. That we would find ways to be obedient to that and experience the joy of this season that you give. In Jesus' name, amen.